welcome to the Empower Church podcast. My name is Matt Garner, and I'm the pastor at Empower Church here in Melbourne, Australia. We're so glad you've joined us today, and I am believing that today's message is not only going to inspire you and encourage you, but it's going to empower, equip, and challenge you to be everything that God has called you to be. Hey, if you want more information about what we're up to at Empower Church, just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co, and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. Well, welcome to Empower Church. We're currently online. You're online, you're watching us. We just want to welcome you wherever you're watching from today. However you're streaming, it is great to have you here with us. If you'd like more information about who we are at Empower Church, I really want to encourage you to jump online, head to our website, empowerchurch.co. There it is on the screen. And uh, just and uh, come check it out and see what we're up to. Um, you can see our different communities there, um, our North community and our East community, um, and uh, a whole lot of different things. Um, I'd encourage you, if you are wanting more information and you're not a, on our mailing list, just fill out the connect form there and um, say hi, and we'd love to be in touch with you. We know it's a crazy time of the year as we approach Christmas and school holidays, and I hope you're planning on getting some leave and getting some time with family and friends, just some general R&R. I know that we're all in need of it, but um, I wanna encourage you, connect, be a part of a a spiritual community, a spiritual family. Um, The Bible calls it the church, and um, endeavor to do that, put some effort into that. I promise you, it is worthwhile want to uh, say a big thank you to those that uh, have come out to Preston Town Hall today on a Sunday, um, on Sunday the 5th of December, and delivered um, a gift as we partner with the Salvation Army to bless those in need in our community. Specifically, we're filling school bags with um, you know, a whole lot of stationery and stuff that is going to go to some really good use. Um, to the start of the year as families um, that are in need uh, uh, need to access those. So thank you so much for giving in that way. Thank you so much for giving for those of you that sent uh, money in electronically. We really appreciate that too. It's going to a great cause as we partner also with um, with Indigenous youth in our area just to really bless them at Christmas too. So absolutely wonderful. Before we get to the message, I also just want to take the opportunity to thank you for your continued financial support, specifically in this time. I know we're at home and I know um, we're not doing a lot, uh, kind of, we're not gathering, I should say, weekly at this point in time. But I do want to take the opportunity to continue to thank you. Your faithfulness in that way has, has been incredible. And so we want to honour you. We want to give God all the glory. And we want to thank God for you and for your partnership and your belief in the vision that um, God is outworking through Empower Church. Um, It's amazing. So many lives are being impacted. So many families are being impacted. And uh, we're excited more than anything about the future and the influence and the impact that we can have in our community and in our world. Moving into January, we're going to start talking uh, more about what what 2022 looks like. And uh, we're excited over the next week or so. Um, In fact, it'll probably be on about 
um, about the, the 13th or 14th of December, we're gonna send a communication out to you, just kind of laying out our plan for uh, the, the start of the year um, as we kind of just strategize to get back to in-person gatherings. And so we're excited about doing that. We believe it's an important part of our expression and our, um, our, our, our lifestyle as, as being devoted to Christ. And so wanna really encourage you to know that we've, we've got a plan, it's coming, and we're gonna release some really exciting uh, plans and vision that we have for 2022. It's gonna be amazing. So uh, enjoy the rest of uh, December and the little bit of January um, in this format. Um, and don't forget to gather and connect in your e-connects and small groups and parks and homes and do it in a safe way. And we're just really excited about getting back together for corporate worship and coming around God's word and just getting the community back together in sometime in January. So keep your ear to the ground. We're going to talk about that. But I want to continue my message from last week. Um, really looking at what the church is, who the church is. It's an important message for this time. I read someone um, put a post up this week and it said something along the lines of like, church is um, commanded, um, uh, it, you know, church attendance, it was said church attendance is, is commanded basically is, is one of the points. And I just thought, well, firstly, that's incorrect. Um, being the church and us understanding that we are the church um, is really the point. To suggest that, that church attendance is commanded. I'm not saying it's not biblical and it's not important. And where we can do it, should we develop devotion and discipline and have it a part of our culture and our family to gather together in that way? 100% yes. But it's not certainly not commanded. It's not a biblical mandate or command that we do that, although it is important. If it were commanded, then we'd be looking at churches, Christians in China. We'd be looking at Christians in um, Iraq and Iran where, where they're heavily persecuted and can't openly worship like we um, do uh, here in, in, the, in Western cultures. Um, and it would suggest that they are not following the Bible. But the church takes on a whole lot of different um, you know, one of the most powerful things about us understanding who we are and who Jesus has called us to be in the world is that we are one of the most flexible, nimble organizations, organisms in the world. There's a chameleon type nature that we can, we can um, not blend in with the world, but we can exist within its current circumstances. If the church is in persecution, if the world is persecuting the church, the church thrives. If Sundays are open, the church thrives. If it's illegal to be a Christian, the church thrives. Nothing can stop. No government on earth could ever even dream about thinking that their power and authority eclipse the government of heaven. And we are, we are God's ambassadors. And so as we continue to talk about the church, I want to remind you that we believe that the church is God's plan to release heaven on earth. The old wineskin says that the way that we do that is through a Sunday service. And so we try to get you to be good, faithful people to Sunday services. But the truth is that version of Christianity is outdated 
as a version that is, 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 um, that is exclusive in the sense of when that's all we do. And I believe that the church, uh, capital C, especially the Pentecostal tradition in the West, has got trapped in this idea that we've tried to bring everyone in on a Sunday and, um, and then hope for the best Monday through to Saturday. But I really believe that, that we've got to understand and we've got to come back to the truth that the church is releasing heaven on earth. And how do you do that? You do that by being in the world, but not being of the world. You have a different nature. You live by a different set of guidelines. Your moral code is not the same as the world's. And so the church is God's plan to release heaven on earth. It's not God's plan to release heaven on earth through a service, right? It's not God's plan to release heaven on earth through a temple or through a religious system. It's God's plan to release heaven on earth through the church, the ecclesia, the you and the me, the us together being that yeast, being that salt, being that light, as Jesus describes that we are as the church. We affirm that there are many expressions of the church. There's the big and the small. There's hubs and homes. That's the language we use. We're committed to pioneering four hubs around Melbourne. What are, what are these hubs? These hubs are, are going to be apostolic centres or, you know, where we are sending and pioneering a whole lot of other communities, a whole lot of other church, uh, church communities um, out of these hubs. We're committed. We're not trying to grow big in attendance. We're not trying to measure attending. We're trying, we place high value on sending. And we're excited about releasing people into their God-given, unique purpose and destiny. And so we talk about homes and we talk about hubs and we talk about the rhythm of the New Testament, gathering in hubs for corporate teaching and, uh, and for coming around the word and for encouragement and for worship and prayer and communion. But we equally talk about and give value to uh, Christianity in homes. We believe that it's everyone, everyone, every day, everywhere. And this idea of everywhere is homes and hubs. It's the um, it's the mega church and the micro church. It's in a corporate sense, but it's also in a home sense. I pray, and our heart is that you're having. Um, that there's a sense of church and this spiritual community, even with your own family, at your own dinner table. I pray that you're leading your family in a way that you're intentionally talking about Jesus in your home, that you're ta intentionally talking about what you're praying for and what you're believing for and the beauty and the goodness of who God is because he is powerful and he is incredible. We believe that the church is also, it's organized and it's also organic. There's an organized nature of the church in homes, in hubs, sorry. But there's also an, or, um, there's also an organic version of the church that we need to acclimatize ourselves to more as we be the church and be salt in the earth. When Jesus called his followers, the church, the ecclesia, he called us the called out ones. That's what that word ecclesia means. 
And so today, just as we go to this scripture, I'm going to read, because I want you to kind of see this in motion. We're going to read Acts chapter 11 and uh, starting at verse number 19, and we're going to go from there. And then I'm going to give you, uh, last week I gave you uh, four things, I believe it was, of what the church is. We've spoken about them before, but I want to give you another seven today. So come on, let's go to work this morning. Uh, but let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. You're so awesome. Lord, I think of families. I think of those that are streaming right now. Some are overseas. Some are uh, on their way to work. Some are on a treadmill or going for a walk or some are sitting in their lounge room right now. Some, someone here has randomly just found this, um, found this channel on YouTube and they're streaming. And Lord, I'm thinking about that person. I'm thinking about their needs. I'm thinking about their mental health. I'm thinking about the sickness in their body. I'm thinking about the financial needs or the relational pressures that they might be experiencing. I'm thinking, Father, about that person that's unemployed and is struggling to provide for their family. And Father, I just want to thank you that you're a way maker, that you're a miracle worker, that you're a promise keeper, that you're a light in dark places, that you make a way where there seems to be no way. Like Isaiah says, you bring rivers in a wilderness. You provide, Father, where there just seems to be no way. And so I thank you that you're a God of breakthrough. I thank you that you're a God that performs miracles today. I thank you that you are a God that is interested in our needs. You're a good Father. And so we honor you. And Holy Spirit, right now we just open up our hearts. We need you to come and rearrange some of our thinking We need you to come and help renovate our mind and our thought life so that we can bring our thinking out of what the world and what what religion has told us about who you are and who we're called to be and bring it to being in line with your word. We honor you and we honor your word. We honor your presence. And I ask in the name of Jesus that you would speak to our hearts, change our lives and let your presence, the reality and the power of your real, tangible, touchable presence become real as people experience this moment wherever they are right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Acts chapter uh, 11. Let's read. For those, sorry, now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoen, Nica, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some were spreading it only among Jews. That was, the, that was what they were doing. Some of them, however, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. Some were just doing the Jew thing, and some were doing the Greek thing. And the point is, is that Um, that we should never be critical or judgmental of what someone else is doing in the context of the kingdom because we all have unique callings and some are called to influence and uh, minister, say, in the area of creative arts and some are called to do that in finance and some are called to do that in my capacity as as a minister and others are called to do that as someone that um, brings the kingdom into other parts of society. We need it all and we've got to celebrate all expressions of what God is doing through people. So just because they're doing Jews doesn't mean they're bad. That's their lane, right? 
and just because and because they're doing the Greeks doesn't mean that's bad. That's their lane. And these two people need to understand that, hey, I, you're doing that fantastic, but I'm still going to celebrate you in this. The other thing that I want to um, just bring to your attention is the Bible says, as we read in verse number 19, they've been scattered by the persecution. They'd been scattered by the persecution. And I've felt in my heart for a number of weeks now as I think about the climate that we're living in as Empower Church here in Victoria, here in Australia, but more specifically to our church family. Let me put my Pastor Matt hat on for a moment and have a pastoral moment with our, with our church community at Empower. There is a whole lot of differences right now across society right now. In a way, it seems like the church has scattered. In a way, it seems like the church is spread out all over the place. And that is the reality of it. But I really felt in my heart as I was praying, the Spirit speak to me and saying, Matt, discon disconnection does not mean disunity. And just like the church in Acts chapter 11 were scattered, they, would, they were disconnected. It did not mean that, were, that they were living in disunity. The circumstances and the, those times due to the persecution that was happening in the church caused them to, <coughs> excuse me, have to come to a place where they had to allow their faith to take on a different format. And so this different format wasn't saying, well, we need to get back to this or we need to now do this. And it's so important that we understand this right now. Because old wineskin people are fighting to get Sunday worship back together. And I'm all for us getting Sunday worship back together. But I'm trying to shift our mindset to understand that our Christianity needs to be far more than us gathering together on a Sunday. We need to be a people that understand we as the church behave as the church wherever we are. And you know what? We're living in a day and age right now where sure there are challenges around the expression of our Christian faith due to lockdowns and lockouts and uh, a whole lot of different things. But who knows where we're going to be in 10, 20, 30? Who knows where we're going to be in five years time? Who knows that um, the, the, the truth of the matter is, is we're living in a certain amount of freedom now, but that freedom is not guaranteed. And so I feel that my role as your pastor is to mature your faith to the place that if the sort of persecution that broke out, which it has not, if that sort of per persecution of Acts chapter 9 and onwards breaks out in our culture and in our society, in our day and age, in our time, I, I need to develop you. It's my pastoral responsibility to mature you to a faith and to a place where you understand that your faith and your walk with Jesus, the influence that he's called you to have, is as important as it ever has been. And this is why I'm going at these things around us understanding that church is, um, church is not about the building. Church is about people. But I'm jumping ahead now. Let's keep reading the scriptures. 21. The Lord's hand was with them. That's important. The Lord's hand was with them. I reckon that's a really important question for us to be asking in this time. Is the Lord's hand with us? 
How do we know? Well, we know by the fruit of the ministry that we're uh, participating in. We know the Lord's hand. The Lord's hand was with, with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. A great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem. They sent Barnabas to Antioch where he arrived and saw the great, what the grace of God had done. It wasn't about man. It wasn't about an eloquent speaker. It wasn't about a polished service. <coughs> Excuse me. It wasn't about anything like that. It was about what the grace of God had done in the people and through the people and for the people. He was glad and encouraged and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. I just absolutely love this passage of scripture because what we see is we see the paradox of faith. We see that faith is required. We see this kind of, we see this tension in the story. We see this tension in the story and we're living in a tension right now. And that tension is around us not being able to express our faith in a way that we had known God to move through it before. And, and we see this amazing word that they were scattered by persecution. They were scattered by persecution. But persecution, they had a revelation that persecution did not cancel presence. Persecution enhanced the sense of God's presence and his glory moving through them. That's why we should count it all joy, James says, when we face trials and tribulations. Why? Because God's presence is made manifest through those things. I remember uh, when we, we, we were... Um, working in a church a number of years ago and it was a wonderful time. We had a great time there. It was a faith-filled church. It was an exciting church. It was, we were um, doing new things and it was excellent. And we ended up obviously resigning from, from that place and, um, and going in the direction that we felt the Lord put on our hearts to implant and pioneer Empower Church. And I remember there was a series of 12 months where we were unemployed. There was a series of, um, of that time where we still had a mortgage, we still had bills, we still had all those sorts of things, but we had no income. And, um, and I remember when we started gathering in my living room with, to just pray and to worship with just a handful of people. And I remember in that moment, whilst we had challenges and whilst we had some difficulties in that moment, and we didn't know how we were going to pay the bills. I remember ringing the bank at one point in time, um, having a conversation with them about mortgage stress in that season and working out what we could do there and all the rest of it. That's how tight it was. But I also remember in that, in that place being so filled with a sense of faith and awe and knowing that in this moment, God was going to move. I remember standing in auditoriums on platforms with tens of thousands of people. And I remember the feeling that that had and that sense of, wow, God's amazing and what a privilege and honor it is for God to use me in that way. And a, and a sense of faith too. And I'm not trying to 
um, discolor those moments in my life. They're beautiful moments, powerful moments that have shaped me and made me into the man that is today. But then fast forward and into my living room with 5, 10, 15 people. And the moment of that 5, 10, 15 people worshipping God and worshipping him in this place of, Lord, we need you to come through. There was something so beautiful and equally powerful about it. Persecution does not cancel God's presence, his glory or the ministry that wants to come out of your life. But rather, I want to tell you, it propels the ministry. It enhances the presence of God in your life because there's a level of dependency that you and I have to lean upon him more and stop leaning on our own understanding. And I want to show you the church in motion right now. I want to show you that even though the church is scattered, even though they're in persecution, even though they're not meeting in the way that they did, they're not gathering at the Preston Town Hall or whatever your local church building was, or they're not gathering in that way. Maybe they're locked down or maybe they're locked up. I'm not sure what the story necessarily is for you, but I want to show you that whoever you are and whatever you're facing right now, you may be in a hospital bed. You may be bound to a hospital bed. Maybe you're listening to this from a prison cell. Maybe you're listening to this and you're, um, you're, 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 you're in the outback, you're lonely, you're, whatever your case might be, I want to try to help you to see today that the circumstances you're in do not cancel the fact that God has a plan for you, that he has a purpose for you and that you are the church that God is looking to release heaven on earth through in this time. Well, last week we said the church is mobile where two or three are gathered. It's everywhere. We said it's normal. It functions as a lifestyle, not an event. We said it's responsible. Everyone has an assignment. There are no consumers in the church. If you say you're a, a Christian, you're saying, I am a passionate follower of Jesus. That's what you're saying. And, uh, and you're saying, I'm taking responsibility for the call and the destiny and for my relationship with Jesus. We also said it's reformational in that the church sees changed lives, it sees changed families and it sees changed cities. We see that like we see that in Acts chapter 11 through God's grace on our lives. Now let's go to these other points and then we'll bring it to a close. All right, point number one for today. Number one, it is cultural. What do you mean by that, Matt? I mean, the, 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 the church that God is calling and raising up in this time understands that we have a responsibility to impact every part of society. Have you ever wondered why uh, people are so different? why they have so many different unique skills. I thank God for the uniqueness in our church community, not just in an ethnic way, but in a gifting way too. I thank God that we have wonderful people like Upenyu and Audrey. Upenyu sits on our board as our treasurer. I praise God for someone like that, that, um, you know, that he's an accountant and he's, he's um, understands the things that I will never understand. I praise God then for people like um, that sit in our church, maybe on a different 
on, on a different spectrum in a creative sense. I thank God for like Ben and Bessie Lacuda, they're our youth pastors, but they are some of the most creative people that I know. They are, they are incredible. And I praise God. I praise God for, for so many different people. I praise God for um, our, our prayer team. I praise God for people that just have a burden to just continue to pray and minister to the Lord and to others in that way. I praise God for, um, for so many people. I praise God for people that just have a commitment to continue to financially support what we're doing as Empower Church and they're behind the vision and the future uh, that we're going to see not just one or two more communities come on board, but we're going to see three, four, five, six, ten, hundreds of community, church, community, spiritual. We're going to pioneer the gospel in so many different places in Melbourne, but also around the world. And I praise God for people that are wired that way. I just look in my own family, at my children. I just look at the uniqueness of Alicia and I, the, the differences that complement each other and the kaleidoscope of God's beauty that is found in the, in the, in the portrait of his, of his body, his church, his bride. It is incredible. The Bible describes it like this. The Bible helps us to understand that we're a many-membered body. We're unique. Some of the ear and some of the eyes and some of the hands and some of the feet and some of the heart and some of the lungs and some of the skin and some of the bones. And we all play a unique yet important role. And whilst our world gives credit and fame and publicly honors some roles more than others, we must understand that that is not how the kingdom of God works. The kingdom of God, uh, we don't have, there's no such thing as hierarchy in the kingdom of God. It's Jesus and the rest of us. I once heard Bill Johnson say it like this, God does not have grandchildren. We are all his sons and daughters. It's just that level. And so even though I have a very public role in the life of the church, my role is not more important than the person that puts up their hand to go and feed the poor. My role is not more important than the person that makes a commitment or a decision to go and uh, help us with administration. I thank God for Kylie, um, who's been helping us with our bookkeeping voluntarily since we started the church. Praise God for you, Kylie. And uh, she's persevered through a whole lot of different things and a whole lot of losses and hard times with her family. And we just appreciate and value your contribution. And we, we, we want to have a culture that understands that God has made us so unique and so diverse because he's calling us as the church to have an impact on every aspect and part of society and its culture. I mentioned it earlier today, but we're in the world, but not of the world. In other words, we, we, we're ambassadors, we're citizens of heaven. And we're not trying to get earth to earth. We're not trying to be, we're not selling out our uniqueness and we're not selling out our ability to um, carry and be a representation of heaven on earth at, just so that we can be contemporary. Man, I'd rather walk in authority and be in, integrous to who God's called us to be as followers of his, even when the world don't understand at the, and not be contemporary at all. Why? Because God's power, 
when someone gets raised from the dead or when someone gets healed of cancer or when someone that's suicidal is immediately, immediately transformed through the good news of Jesus. That's about as contemporary as the church need to be. As when we start feeding the poor and when we, when we uh, are the church in motion, impacting the arts and finance and medicine and all those sorts of things, I believe we're going to see a cultural impact into our world. So the church is cultural. That's why some of you have never fit in the old wineskin. Oh, we're preaching now, somebody. That's why you've never fit. You've always felt like a square peg in a round hole. Because the old wineskin church has tried to force you into being some sort of small group leader or some sort of volunteer like this or some sort of something like that. Now I'm all for, I'm all for you being involved in areas and serving even when it doesn't suit and serving even when it doesn't fit. But I'm wanting to help you to understand today that serving and um and, uh, and, and maybe doing some of those sorts of things is, is important. It's a part of what we all do. We all do it. We're all involved. It's like we don't want to wash the dishes, but as a family, we're all going to contribute. I'm not created to wash the dishes. That's not my divine destiny. Maybe my children try, try to tell me when we say it's time to do the dishes at home. But because we're a part of a family, we sign up for those sorts of things like set up and volunteering and opening our home and getting involved in different things. But I'm also wanting to acknowledge today that your, that your ministry isn't going to fit in that Sunday expression. Most of, most of you, your ministry, your primary ministry, don't look for it in the context of Sunday services. Look for it. And realize that God's already put you in your mission field and he wants to you to have an impact where you are. It's cultural. Number two, it's influential. We've just been speaking about this, but let's drill down this on a little bit, a little bit more. Matthew chapter 13, verse 33, Jesus says that it's as it's like the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that influences the dough. And so does the ecclesia, the church, influence its culture. It influences its culture. It doesn't influence by being like it. It doesn't influence even by participating in its systems. It influences it by being something different. It influences it by being a representation of heaven on earth. And that is who we must be. How do I evangelize? How do I share my faith? How do I, you be and you behave and you react and you respond and you love and you care for like Jesus did and displayed to us when he was in the world. And so the church is influential. Now, my question to you, whether you're in lockdown or whether you're in lockout, can you be the church? Can you be influential? Yes, you can. Do you need a Sunday service to do that? No, you don't. You just need to activate your faith in an everyday sense rather than in a Sunday sense, okay? Everyone, every day, everywhere. Where can I be an influence? At church on a Sunday? Just in my home? No, everywhere. The gospel, the good news of Jesus has the power to transform any situation. Amen. I, be, I believe that. Number th three, it's relational. The kingdom of God, the church that God is raising up in this time is relationally 
centered. It's people centered, not building centered. Now, I believe that it's a command for us to gather together. Hebrews tells us that. But gathering together isn't necessarily Sundays. Okay, so in this time while we're not gathering, don't be dismayed. Come on, gather, be intentional about your faith. You own it. Stop waiting on the organization of the church to own your faith. Come on, you've got to go after it. And you've got to say, this is my responsibility as a follower of Jesus. I don't want to use that word Christian. It's not because I don't believe in it or I'm trying to change the words, but I'm wanting to be intentional with using that follower of Jesus, disciple of Jesus, as a Christian, which is a follower of Jesus. You are a follower of Jesus. And as a follower of Jesus, a part of you picking up your cross is being committed to Christian community. One of the ways we do that is through our Sunday gatherings. And as mentioned before, we are excited about getting back to those mid-January and a plan is coming your way pretty soon. But for now, please be intentional about being in Christian community. Why? Because we believe that the church is relational. It's people-centered. Your discipleship, your sense of community and belonging, and even service to the Lord happens as we serve others. Amen. It's also reproducible. It's reproducible. And God is calling you to, um, in this understanding of us being disciples, is also this understanding that we are disciples, but we are also disciplers. So we're being discipled. We're being. We're having input. We're chasing God. We're um, uh, we're inviting uh, different people in our world to speak into it and to shape it and to bring godly wisdom to help us unpack Scripture to help us uh, grow in our faith. But likewise. As a disciple, we're also saying that we are a discipler. And so we have a commitment as the church to be looking for others that are less mature or on a different stage of the journey than we are, that we can help become mature in the things of God. So that as life goes on, as sickness hits their life, as job loss happens or as something else crazy hits this world, they have a mature faith. And we're not going to rely anymore just on the vehicle of courses or events, although they're important. And we're going to talk more about those early next year, although they're important and, and we love them and we, there's a place for them. But we're going to be committed as a church family to understand that I have something to give and to impart to someone in my world. I know what you're thinking right now. Is he talking to someone else? No, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to my dad in Indonesia. I'm talking to, to my mum in WA. I'm talking to my in-laws that are also over there. I'm talking to you on the treadmill. I'm talking to you at home. I'm talking to the pastor on our staff. And I'm also talking to the person that regularly or sporadically attends. You have something to give to someone else in the context of helping them get to know Jesus more. It's reproducible. It's also moral. It's moral. We're nearly done. It's moral. The Bible is the church's moral code of conduct. Last week, I shared the story about how I had a really wonderful and open conversation with um, my barber and, um, and one of the other staff there. And we were just talking about the things of God. And he said, you know, we started talking about uh, things around sexuality and 
um, marriage and all those sorts of things. And he was asking some of those questions that our, that our society are interested in answering. And he said, I just believe that man kind of added that in just so it was because it was just one of their things that that man didn't like. And so I don't really believe that that's the thing. And um, I said, look, that's all good, but that's not what a Christian believes in what the and how the Bible is written, at least not what I believe. And um, and um, um, helped him to understand that we believe that the Bible is God. Yes, it was written by man, but it was it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And we believe that the words are divinely placed there. And we believe that it is of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And we believe it. And so what the Bible teaches, we believe. Even though it's challenging to, to in our culture to believe things that seem, um, you know, to one side of culture, we have a we have a basis that we say, well, God's word says it. We're going to hold on to what God's word says, and we're going to believe what God's word says. And so, in this day and age where um, the Christian faith and the fundamental beliefs of Christianity are being challenged like they never have been before. We must be resolute in our belief to hold true to biblical values. The world, the government, they do not set the moral code for us as Christians. The Bible does. The church is moral. And the reason why it's moral is because we believe that God is a good God. And that our theology, when it's anchored in who he is and his goodness for humanity... We understand, even in our lack of understanding, even in our lack of understanding, we understand that God is good. And even though we might think, well, I think these people should get married or I think that sexual orientation is fine, we come to a place, because the Bible teaches it, that we're okay to believe it and we're okay to live our life according to it. Man, the church has got too wishy-washy and we've at the expense of trying to have a voice here and trying to have a voice there. We've compromised our own voice and we've got to be strong and realize that the Bible is our moral code. It's the church's code of conduct. And let's be committed to believing it. They're hard words to hear. We don't like hearing them in this day and age, but it's important that you understand that this is the type of church that you're a part of and that we believe. It's also governmental. What do you mean the church is governmental? I mean that we are legislating what God has promised. The church is responsible for legislating and administrating in the earth. What do you mean by that? I mean, if God has promised healing, then the church is responsible for releasing that in however we're called to release it in the earth. If God is, um, hates poverty, then and um, and uh, and calls and and that's not what's in heaven. Then the church is responsible for legislating and for seeing poverty eradicated in the world. If God hates slavery and racism and all those sorts of things, then the church is responsible for legislating. It's governmental in that way. Not in the way that you might understand it in a worldly sense, because the weapons of our warfare, Ephesians 6, are not carnal, but they are, in other words, they're not natural. We're not trying to change the world 
by influencing political parties. We're legislating and administrating and bringing heaven on earth through another set of weapons, if you like, or ways that Jesus has asked us to to release them. Some of those ways are, so the church is governmental, legislating and administrating, listen to this, through prayer. So we, we bring heaven to earth through prayer. We eradicate poverty through prayer. We bring down principalities and powers through prayer. We see sick healed through prayer. What are some other ways, Matt? Through power, through operating in the authority and the anointing that we believe as Pentecostal Christians live within us. The Holy Spirit, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Okay, we hold on true to God's word. And by if the Bible says that by stripes we're healed, we claim that until the last moment or unless the Lord directs us to pray in another way. So we legislate heaven on earth through prayer, through power. We legislate heaven on earth through service. And so if there's no poverty in heaven, we as a church, as, as the church, as, as you, I'm looking at you right now. I'm not looking at the organization. I'm looking at the organism of the church. I'm looking at you and I. I'm saying we have a responsibility to legislate that through service also, through prayer, through power and through service. So we bring heaven to earth through our actions, through laying down our lives for others. We also are expressing the government of God on earth through the love that we have for people. The greatest weapon that you have, I'm telling you right now, is love, is loving unconditional, is when you spat in your face and you still continue to love, is when you're abused but you still continue to love, is when you're hurt, but you still continue to love. The, God didn't say he was many other things, but he did say many things, but he did say the Bible does record that God is love. And at the essence of the Christian faith is us operating in a spirit of love. And the last thing is that the church is powerful. You do not need a Sunday service to be powerful. And I'm saying this because we're not in Sunday services right now. If you want to go and visit churches around the place because you want to get into a Sunday service, please go and do that. We're not holding you back from doing that. I would encourage you to do so if that's in your heart. Go and worship in that way if you need to do that. Please hear my heart. Please also hear my heart. And I keep saying this like a broken record. We are committed to coming back and corporately gathering for worship. We are committed to doing that. And we are going to do that early in 2022. It's going to be amazing. But the church is powerful and you don't need a Sunday to be powerful. You don't need a church program to be powerful. You don't need a keyboard playing in the background, although I'm sure Mike's put the, the keys on the keyboard on, uh, in the background of this video right now. You don't need any of those things to be powerful. You need to understand who you are and who God's called you to be. And you need to realize that the church intrinsically is called to be powerful. How are we powerful? We are powerful through signs. God wants to release through your life, through the church of Jesus Christ, through the new wineskin, signs. Signs, what are signs? Signs are miraculous events that point to him. He wants to release signs. Maybe they're in the weather. Maybe they're in some other area. Maybe it's finding. I'm not sure. 
but he wants to release signs. Why, why is it a sign? It's a sign. Think about what a sign is. A sign is something that points to something or in this case, someone else and it points to Jesus. So the church is powerful and I want to prophesy, I want to prophetically declare to you today that there is going to be an increase of signs in the church. There's going to be, how, how else is the church powerful? Through wonders, signs and wonders go hand in hand. There are going to be amazing wonders that continue to happen in the body of Christ, in your life, through the community of Empower Church in the north and in the east and in the west and in the south and all across the globe. There are going to be an increase of, of wonders. How else is the church powerful? Through miracles. I dare you this week to give yourself the assignment to step out in faith and pray for someone that's sick. Lay your hands on them. Get some oil, if it's canola or olive oil, it doesn't really matter what it is, but by faith, pray for them. Anoint them with oil as the Bible teaches, as a representation of the Holy Spirit. It's just a symbol, but let it activate faith in your life to bring healing, to bring and administer heaven on earth and release power. The church is powerful. No government, no bill that's being passed, no pandemic, no lockdown or lock up or lock out or lock in or whatever else is being locked up can stop the church from being powerful. It is going to be powerful through signs, wonders, miracles, healing, deliverance. I believe that we're going to see so much deliverance happen in our community as we move forward. We gather as the church for worship, equipping, community, encouragement. We affirm that the church is both in those hubs and houses. And the church must commit to understanding that it is equally the church when it is gathered together as it is scattered, as we see in Acts chapter 11. I just pray, like we're just really laying a foundation right now for... um, for the future of Empower Church, and we're trying to adjust your thinking. We want you to be 100% committed every week, week in, week out, to to being a part of our Sunday worship gatherings when we um, come back to them in January. But more than anything, I want you to understand that you are the church, that you're mobile, that you're a cultural influence, that it's normal, that it's a lifestyle, not an event, that you're influential, in every area of your life, that it's relational, it's people-centered, not building-centered, that it's, you, you, it's responsible, you're, you're responsible, it's, you have an assignment, you're not a consumer anymore, that it's reproducible, that not only can you receive input and must chase it, but you must be committed to giving it. That's reformational, that the world is going to be changed through the church. The world isn't going to be changed through um, us Uh, through us trying to participate and change the world in that way. It's going to be changed when we realize that we are the church and we see reformation as we see lives change. It's moral. We live by what the word of God says. It's our moral code. It's our code of conduct. It's governmental. We legislate and we administer heaven to earth through prayer, power, service and love. And it's powerful. Signs, wonders, miracles, healings, deliverance. That is who we are as the church. Hey, God bless you and thank you so much for listening. We really love and do appreciate you. And I believe that God's best is ahead of you. I believe that God, God wants to work for, is working for you. Even though you might not be able to see it, he's working in you. He's producing glory 
He's developing you into his image and he also wants to work through you, for you, in you and through you. Hey, God bless you. Thanks for watching. Check out our website. Come and say hi to us if you want to connect or if you need anything, we want to be available to help you. God bless you and have a wonderful week.